Well, another good morning. Another good morning with God's people and the Word of God. Anything could be better than that? I don't think so. We have been studying a long-range plan. Matter of fact, the longest-range plan that has ever been devised, ever. Because it goes back, the origins go back to eternity past all the way into eternity future. And that's the plan. So everything that is even going to happen or has happened or is happening, uh, it is all in a part of this, this deal that's going on. And so anything that happens in history, it's part of God's plan ultimately, isn't it? It's absolutely certain what the future is going to be. Guaranteed. More than maybe just even me standing here and knowing that I'm standing here, the future is even more guaranteed. Uh, It is a promise that God gives and He never goes back on any promise. There will never be anything that rises against this long-range plan. Nothing will ever upset it or overtake it in any way because the plan of God is certain. It is secure. It's assured. It's guaranteed. God has outlined His plan in Romans 8. 28 through 30. We've been there a while. I wanted to camp out there. I'll tell you why in a moment. But this whole thing is about the whole of redemptive history. It's about the Father wanting to give the Son a bride. The Father loves the Son so much that He wants to give a gift to His Son. So the gift is going to be sinners who are dirty and rotten and corrupt and nothing good about them, and He's going to redeem them. And it's going to be redeemed humanity that constitutes what this bride is. And so we are going to be a joyous bride as we will uh, be a glorified bride all through redemptive history. Redemption, salvation history. The Father has been doing this, drawing the bride to the Son. That's what He's been doing since there has been the sin of mankind. He's drawing those sinners that are chosen by Him to His family, to His purpose, to be given to the Son. And we know that we are the ones that are the gift to Christ. Even when we get to heaven, there is a new Jerusalem. And we understand that it's really the bridal city. That's where the bride will live. It's going to come down out of heaven as a bride adorned to her husband. The church is seen to be the bride. And in Israel, all the ones who were believers, they were considered to be the wife of God. So all throughout humanity, the ones who are chosen are being drawn to God, drawn to Christ. There's a price for the Son because we know even in ancient times, whenever they would get a bride, they would pay a price for that bride. And the son paid the price for his bride with his precious blood. The payment was made in full. And we know that he pays the purchase price and one day in heaven the collective saints throughout all the ages are going to be brought together to do one thing, that's to give honor and glory and praise, to adore Him, to serve Him, to worship Him, and we're all going to be there together. We will be complete. And the bride then, as it gathers around the sun, will be doing what its ultimate purpose is, 
not only will we be glorified to do that, but the ultimate purpose is that the preeminent one will be shining and radiant over all the saints, over all the bride. He will be preeminent in the end. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What is the purpose of redemptive history, salvation history? Father loves the Son. He determines, He predetermined to give a bride to His Son. That's you. You've trusted in Him. You are one of His. We reflect His glory even today, right where we are right now. One day even more so. But He demonstrated by doing this grace, mercy, love. Those are attributes that He's always had. And in one sense, they are now seen. Seen by all of us. Seen by all of creation. That He takes these attributes and puts them on display by taking sinners such as us and converting us into people who are justified, sanctified, and then finally glorified. That is a beat, isn't it? What more glorious thought can you have than that? He demonstrates His great grace by redeeming an unworthy sinner. And multiply that over and over and over. And we will cast our crowns before the throne of God, knowing that He's done it all from the very outset. And knowing that Christ is the preeminent One. And that's the purpose of salvation right there. That's why we exist today. And that's why we will exist throughout all the eternity to give Him the preeminent glory the supreme glory that He so deserves when everything is all in all. Now we often talk about Reformed theology, don't we? Uh, You guys know what that is. Uh, You might be familiar also with what is called the doctrines of grace. Very same thing. Or Calvinism. It has different terms. But ultimately, it's really the Bible's truth. Right where we're at today, and in 29 and 30, what Calvinism is, what Reformed theology is, what the doctrines of grace is, what the Bible is all about is this. Verse 29 and 30. 29 and 30. It's right here. The best summary of the doctrines of grace are right here where it said, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified all the way from the very thought in the divine councils before the foundation of the world came this great plan. And here we are today and here it is written before us and we have the doctrines against grace. We have Reformed theology summed up in those two verses. If you want to back it up a little bit, 28 also. Because, you see, it all starts with God and it all ends with God. You say, well, we answered the call. And yes, we did. Because the Holy Spirit came in us and regenerated us because we were dead. And we could have never answered the call until He gave us life. And then we said, yes. I want to follow You. I trust in You. I repent. Did you see, though, everything there from beginning to the end of those verses is all Him. He. He. 
He. Him. He. It's all God. All God. These are the five golden links in the chain of redemption. And we're going to finish them up today, Lord willing. Uh, Justified and glorified. We've been through some big ones. They're huge. And it's really interesting that the first two words are the most controversial terms probably in all of Christianity because it divides the Calvinist versus the Arminian. And ultimately, the true Arminian says you can lose your salvation because you are the one responsible and because you chose God. He didn't choose you. He chose you to come to Christ, but He doesn't know whether or not that you'll be saved. But in His foreknowledge, looking down through history, then He does know, but He has nothing to do with it. And He's like, boy, I sure hope Dennis answers my call. <laughs> and if we've got a God like that, none of us is going to heaven. It's God. Do you see what that... Th- these verses challenge over 50% of the body of Christ, probably much more than that. Most of them are Arminians. Much of the church today. Because they don't believe in the way the biblical aspect is presented here and throughout all the Scripture. The rest of Scripture will prove that. So, we did three words. Now we have two left. That's what we're going to do today. Let's pray. Father, Holy God, as we enter into Your Word, it is precious. And this passage, Lord, is outstanding way above any of our thoughts. It goes way beyond our human comprehension. But You have given us a great glimpse of what theology is really about as we go into the depths. Lord, we don't have the intelligence ourselves to come up with this kind of theology. It's not a man-made theology. We have seen throughout, week after week after week, how everything coordinates right along with this plan that we see in 28 through 30. We give you all glory. We can't say enough thanks and we can't wait till we join you and see Christ as he really is. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, okay, we're closing out that section that I call my favorite section in the Bible. If I can do that. Uh, but then the next section of verses is going to support where we have been and it's talking about eternal security and nobody can lose it. If you're really His, that started way before you were ever born. If you're really His, He's going to make sure that you go all the way into glory. He will not lose one through the cracks. And that's what we'll be doing starting next week. As it starts with, what then shall we say to those things if God is for us? Who is against us? Who can really be against us? You say, Satan. There's a lot of enemies we have. Yeah, but they, ultimately, they're not going to win at all. Uh, we have God. Why be fearful of anything? Look what we've got. And then we'll go into that section. I can't wait to get into there. But first, words that we've already looked at. And so, it'll sound like a refresher course, but it's always good because if anybody ever asks, anybody from this church... I want them to be able to answer. If somebody were to walk up to you and say, what is justification by faith is? And if I ever hear of any of you guys failing that question, (laughs) we're going to the woodshed. Uh Uh-oh, I'm not sure I can define it. I know what it is, but I don't... Well, it means to be declared righteous. There's a declaration that has been made by God that we are righteous. See, justified is a word to Kyle that's related to righteous. It's the same thing. Just or righteous. Same kind of thought there. Now, we started this chapter off with verse 1, right? There is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does no condemnation mean? Well, actually, it's the opposite. Condemnation is the opposite of justification. If you're not condemned, you are what? You justified. Um, and justified, that word is like if you were in court, if you broke the law, you uh, really know that there's a condemnation there, there's a judgment. And what, it, what the deal is, though, is that when you're pronounced guilty in the court, it is really that condemnation is not what made you guilty. You did something that made you guilty. But there is a judgment. There is a condemnation. Well, what happens with the word justification is that you're not just when you are standing there in court with God Almighty. You're not just at all because nobody is. But the story is is that if you're in Christ, the judge says not guilty. The judge says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He declares you righteous or just. You have been justified. The ones who are called, those He justified. So if you are called by God, if you've been foreknown and predestined and called, then a guarantee is that you are also justified. No longer is the guilt and the sin that you have held against you for salvation. So it's not something you do, it's something that God has declared and now you have a right relationship to God and to the law. We are not made righteous in God's court, but we are declared righteous and as far as God is concerned, we are justified by grace through those who trust in Christ. We have faith in Christ alone. Faith. Justified by faith. You're justified because He has granted you this gift, this gift of faith. You're now declared that. And it's all based upon Christ's atonement. The atonement uh, is related to sacrificial. It's a sacrificial atonement. It is one where God is appeased or propitiated. It is a sacrifice that is penal in that there had to be justice, wrath served, and it was done on Christ. Penal substitutionary atonement. Substitution means He took our place because we couldn't have stood before a holy God and be declared righteous, but because of Christ. So, there is a little bit of the meaning. Let's get to the source. The source is the grace of God. And we go to Romans 3.24. Let's hang out there just for a minute or two. Romans 3.24 is where the, the section is at, where good news is at, because for three chapters, for two and a half chapters, we have been condemned severely. And it took three chapters to get there to show how wicked and evil all mankind is. None are good, and the older you get, the more you find out about that. And you even see yourself in the battle that you have with sin. And you hate sin. And you hate the things that you do that are sinful that do not glorify God. That's a good sign that you are a believer because you don't like sin. You hate it. You hate unrighteousness out in the world, but you hate it in your own self. And that's what you're consumed with the most, your own self. The source is not you. There's only one righteous how can salvation even be possible? Well, if only if God does the work 
for us. It's through Christ. This is what grace is all about. Undeserved. It is undeserved. It is undeserved. We have nothing there. It's unmerited favor. That's how many define it. This is what grace is all about. We don't deserve it. It's all God. Right? Second one is the foundation is we know that the source is Christ, but the foundation is the work of Christ. So we look at Romans 3.24 being justified, there's our word justified, as a gift by His grace. There is where we have the source, right? We're justified by grace. We're not justified because we have faith. That's the way that the most of the body of Christ understands it. If I believe in Him, if I work that up, then I can be saved. Well, actually, biblically, here in Ephesians 2, for instance, we are saved by grace through faith. By that channel of faith that He throws out to us, that connects us. So we're justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. The redemption, the redeeming work. Verse 25, Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation or satisfaction. God the Father was pleased with what Christ did in His blood, a violent death, through faith. We understand this propitiatory work by faith. We believe it. Now, this was to demonstrate His righteousness. So, what we have is the source is the grace of God. The foundation is the very work of Christ. It's the very ground in which we stand. It's the work of Christ on the cross. And we are pronounced legally righteous, free from any debt that we owe. That we owed before, that we owe right now, that we would even owe in the future. All of it was taken away. And if we have any sin that is there, He has to judge, that was not taken away by Christ, we're in trouble. If it was only one sin, we would all go to hell. Because He paid for it all. As the hymn says, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. We owe Him praise. We'll never be able to pay Him back and don't even try. He has done all the work and He says it's yours. The means is faith and uh, that's uh, justification becomes ours. We turn to Christ in faith, believing that He is our Savior. And that's where belief does come in. Yes, we do have to have belief. And yes, we are to call upon Him after He is already called. And He has an effectual call, and we spent a lot of time on that last week. Uh, An effectual call where He will draw the very ones that are His that have already been chosen before the foundation of the world, then He calls them. And so therefore, then we, we call upon the Lord. We ask forgiveness of our sins. We repent of our sins. We trust in Him and we have nothing else. We are laid bare. There's nothing that we can offer Him. And then when we say that and we mean that, then we are His and He gives us everything we need. Faith is a channel by which justification becomes ours. Justified by faith. And the Reformer said, by faith alone. That means not works. There's nothing, no work that we can do to please God to get to heaven. We know that. It's simple. It's the very basis. It's the very uh, hinge that salvation is on. That's what Martin Luther had talked about whenever he discovered we are justified by faith alone. Nothing else. It's not faith plus something. So when people say that you have to believe in Christ 
But you have to be baptized or baptized when you're an infant. And you have to take communion and you have to take, be uh, confirmed and all of the church things. Uh, that is adding to. Those things may be good to do. They are biblical, but it does not save you. We're justified by faith alone. Then the effect is union with Christ and in Romans chapter 5, it says in verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, I know that sounds like, again, sounds like I thought we were justified by grace. Well, we are. But he, what he emphasized in Romans 4 is that there is faith that's placed in Christ because the Jews would say, what about faith? And he says, Abraham was saved by, well, in a sense, we can say faith, although really it starts with what? Grace. Because what was he doing whenever he was in Ur of the Chaldees? He was worshiping pagan gods. He didn't know the true God. He wasn't looking for the one true God. What he did do was he woke up uh, out of death into life. God regenerated him. And it says Abraham was justified by faith. And he proved it as we look through the years. Just He was justified by faith the moment he came to Christ. And later on we see the ultimate whereas the sacrifice was going to be his son, Isaac. God said to get ready for him to do that, and ultimately uh, it was the ram caught in the thickets. He was a substitutionary atonement, and he was sacrificed, the ram, and not Isaac. Uh, so uh, you get atonement right there in the picture. Uh, that's a covering. And that is such a basis of our salvation. Well, faith is very key. And that's what all chapter 4 was about. So he ties it up, starts in 5, and really in, in the writing of Scripture, uh, they didn't do chapters and verses. It was written like a letter all the way through. That's what an epistle is. So it would have been like this. After he talks about Abraham, he talks about David, who were Jews who were not a part of the church yet, which is was yet to be brought in Acts chapter 2, but as, as Romans is written, that has already happened. And he says, well, Abraham was justified by faith. Well, he, did. he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, as justified. David believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Who are two of the main characters in all of the Old Testament? Abraham and King David. There were many other ones, but those two guys really stand out. So we use those examples, and here we are, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, after all that, what's the therefore, therefore? Because of all of this, having been justified, declared righteous, by faith, or through faith, not because of your faith, that's not what the meaning of that word is, and we, I think, covered that thoroughly. <clears throat> we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction, our access, by faith, believing God, into this grace in which we stand. We're just not walking in a little bit where it's a little shallow. I mean, we're standing in this deep. And we exult, here we go, in hope of the glory of God. Well, uh, here it is. Romans 5 then talks about being in Christ. We're no longer in Adam. Uh, we are in Christ. Death in Adam, life in Christ, and that's the way all the chapter 5 goes there. Uh, we have peace because we know we've been justified, and we have peace with God, and, and we have access to God, and we are rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God in the future. And so he starts talking about the glory of God in chapter 5 after three chapters of condemnation, and he comes into 5 and he says, 
you have peace with God. Peace of God. Peace with God. The effect is, is that we now have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been justified. We are considered to be related to Christ. He's, he's a brother, it says. We are also a bride. Different pictures to show that we are in Christ. We are united with Christ. We are in union with Christ. We've been not condemned, but we have been declared righteous. We are in the family of God and united with Christ. So there is justified. Those He called, He justified. Boy, that takes you to quite a peak, doesn't it? Takes you to complete salvation, or, or at least in the sense of where we are now. We, we were justified. That's a one-time thing. You're not continually being justified. You've already been justified when you called upon the Lord after He called upon you. And those who are His, He will certainly no wise cast out. Those who are His. Right? We are the sheep. We're the bride. We're the army. Pick out your favorite one. What do you like best? Perhaps bride? You like sheep? Oh yeah, until you really think about what sheep are for a while. <laughs> a lot of different terms for us that really describe us very well. And you know what? I like them. Because they're dear to God. He loves those kind of analogies so we can understand it. Okay, we go to the second one, the very last one of our section that's in 28 through 30. I'm kind of sad as I rejoice. It's the last term. Those who are justified have been glorified, says in Romans 8 here. He also glorified. We've studied a bit in Romans 5 about the glory of God, the hope of the glory of God. Well, here it has certainly been to our advantage and our benefit to think about glorification. And one week I spent a little bit on this glorified matter. Glorification awaits for the return of Christ. We will not be glorified until then. Even when you die, you will not be instantly glorified. You will be without this body, thank the Lord. We will be saints who are perfected, as it's said in Hebrews 11. Uh, but we will still await that glorified body. And it says in Thessalonians and Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, that the ones who have died will be raised first and be caught up with the Lord. And those who remain or uh, then would be caught up with them. Uh, there's a mystery in the sense that if you happen to be living at that time, if Christ came back right now, I take it that we really wouldn't experience that death experience. We would just be instantly changed in the twinkling of an eye. wouldn't even go through death. All of a sudden we're with Him in glorified bodies and we go like that. I mean, you can't even... Uh, I go up uh, like that. If it's before that, uh, I mean, I can't mimic it enough. In the twinkling of an eye. You know how quick a twinkling of an eye is? I used to give scientific facts on that. I don't know, I couldn't make it up. It's like one billionth of a second or something crazy like that. Uh, I mean instantly. You know, God is instant, right? So, uh, that's, that's what and when it's the turn of Christ. So what happens when God glorifies the body? What is it? Well, first of all, I've got there what happens is that we share in the glory... Christ. This is unfathomable. Christ 
whenever he prayed that great prayer in John 17, he said, Father, glorify me as I once was glorified before he came to the earth. And he wanted to be returned to that. And then he said that they, that the believers, the church, his bride, would see his glory. And he wants us not only to see his glory, but to experience and have his glory in us. Never to be God, but share the glory of Christ. Say, where's that at? Romans 8.17 will be a good place to start. And of children, children of God, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in this earth that we know now, so that we may be, here's the punchline, also be glorified with Him. Be like Christ. Glorified with Him. Have you ever seen that before there? I know you know it. But we suffer with Him here, but we'll be glorified with Him there. That's why it goes on in verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That is coming. So when you go through all this stuff, folks, this is a promise, when you go through it all, as you're going through certain things that are really difficult, think about this. This is why we're doing this stuff. Because we are to get it into our heads so when reality hits in this world that it wouldn't strike us down to where we are feeling hopeless. Because we have all the hope in the world to say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I probably don't at all. But I'll tell you what, I do know where you're headed and what you've got after this. Wow. We need to be reminding ourselves of this. Glorified with Him, when God glorifies His children, He does to them something what He did to His Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever He did to Him to glorify Him back, to exalt Him to His right hand above every rule and authority and power, He gives us a share in this glory. Go to... Well, we read Romans 5 too, didn't we? That's where we got a brief glimpse of the hope of the glory, rejoicing in that glory that is to come. Okay, now we go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. We spent a lot of time doing this when we went through Revelation. You guys remember that when we were at the end, really, 20, 21 and 22? We spent a long time on the glorified body and such, but it's good to go back and do this, isn't it? Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. We're partakers of that. We are glorified with Him. And I know we've pointed out many times, 1 John in chapter 3, we will see Him as He is and be like Him. We'll go through, if we want to go through walls, there's, there's walls surrounding the great city of Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. We, if we want to go outside there, I guess we can. I think it's, it's an idea definitely of, uh, you don't really, we don't even need the walls because we're never going to have any enemies. But it also shows that we are secure in God in every way. But uh, if we want to eat something, we can. If we don't want to eat, we don't. We don't need to. Uh, but I'm sure we're going to be feasting and banqueting as a great joy, a great glory. But uh, it's not going to be like the food that we're used to here in that ultimate, eternal glory. Uh, when God glorifies a human being, what He does is He grants to each one of us to behold the infinite beauty of our Lord and Savior. We will see 
that glory and beauty that was held by his physical human body here on earth and whenever he died and then rose, he had a glorified body that was like his other body but very different. And we will see that beauty. We will instantly become just like him. As much as a possible creature of God can. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, that means to take the curtain back, a revelation, apocalypsis, an uncovering. That's how we got uh, revelation. It's an uncovering of Christ, is what revelation is. Ultimately, whenever He comes back here, that's the that whenever He's revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him. What is it? In glory. Wow. This is the kind of stuff we need. This is part of the good news, isn't it? And it extends much beyond what we have here now. I'm glad I'm a Christian and living here and serving God and being with His people. I'm glad of that. But I'm glad it doesn't last for eternity because I'm getting worn out and I can't wait to see Christ and all who are glorified. It will happen. Okay, what happens when God glorifies the believer? Well, we share in the glory of Christ. Number two, we receive a new and glorious body which we've talked about. The creation itself, we know in Romans 8, will be set free from the very bondage of what... Uh, Man did and creation, all of creation is decaying, it corrupts, creation is dying, it's winding down. The great knowledge of the world says everything is going to get better. They say man is getting better. We know better than that. Man's getting worse. He's waxing worse and worse every day. Everything they say is the exact opposite of truth. But I'll tell you why they do that. If they haven't been regenerated, what hope do they have? So what they do is they do a John Lennon and say, imagine that there's no heaven. Uh, imagine that there's really no rights, no wrongs. There's no absolutes. You just do whatever, whatever you think. Is okay. You do what you want. Every man does what is right in his own eyes. He thinks everything is right. This is the right way. This is the truth. We're being told lies one day after another. Every day we hear lies out there coming from every realm of life, it seems, and even in the church as they agree with many of those things. Uh, yes, our bodies are decaying. But a Christian is getting better spiritually. His body's not. But the new man is being renewed day by day by day by day. From one glory to the next level of glory to the next level of glory. Being more like Christ. But we will have a glorious body. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 would be a good place to turn for a moment. For our citizenship is in heaven. That's a good thing to be reminded every day. Because this is not really ultimately our home. We have to, while we have these bodies, we have to have some semblance of a home. It's like living in a tent. But we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's not spiritually. We're not waiting for Him spiritually. He's living inside of us right now. He's talking about when He comes back. We're eagerly waiting for Him. This is the second coming. 
who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. I like that. You like that? Yes. You know what we have to do with that? Can we turn ourselves into a glorified body? Did we desire to ever even be born? What is it that we have done that should deserve some kind of credit? We didn't desire to be born. How could we? We're not existing. But God always existed. He's the one that brought us into this world. He's the one that converts His people. He's the one that brings them in to glory and gives them glorified bodies. There's no way that I could say, okay, I've got to come up with a glorified body here, you know, and think positive enough, and then, boom, I've got a glorified body. That is not how it works, is it? Uh, this might be pie in the sky, is that what they say? Uh, theology, but this is where everything's going. This is our motive. Our motive to living here on earth really is what's coming. You see that all throughout scriptures. We're always reminded that this is why we are sanctified and why we go through this life because there's something that it's pointing and going to. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do this. How do you describe glory? Oh, did we do 1 Corinthians 15? No, we didn't. Okay, let's go there just before, and then I'll come back to where I want to go. 1 Corinthians 15, and it is 42 and 43. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Comparing it to the moon and, and the stars and, and such right there. There's the glory of the sun, glory of the moon, glory of the stars. And they all differ in, in their glory, right? Okay, and then it says this. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It dies. It is raised an imperishable body. A body that will never decay and never, ever, ever die. It will always be perfect. It will start perfect. It won't get any better because if you're perfect, you'll be the same. God has always been perfect. He does not change. Thank the Lord. That's why you can count on all these promises. Uh, it says that He's unchanging. That's an attribute of God. We do change. We change all the time. Bodies. Physically. We age or whatever. You go on and on and on with it. But don't you like that? It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And that word body is soma, which means a physical aspect. You say, well, what's going to happen is that we're going to go into nirvana. If you're a Hindu, right? Or uh, Buddhism. Uh, it means, and that means basically, nirvana means nothingness. You just don't even exist anymore. <laughs> well, well, way to look forward to things. Okay, but this is saying that we have a, a, a natural body here, but there we'll have a spiritual body. This is talking about the resurrection body, soma. It will be physical, just like Christ's body was physical after He raised up. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. We can go on and stop there. Get the idea? It'll be something like, and he's already described that, but uh, quite different. Okay. Our bodies will be glorious. Okay, we think of Revelation, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief. No more pain, no more frustration, no weakness, no weariness ever, no disability, no wheelchairs, Tony, no crutches, those are gone. 
No canes there. Well, that'll soon be gone. No braces. Allergy season's coming up for me. I call it hay fever. Because I remember working out in the hay fields and I found out what hay fever was. Boy, there's, you know, they'll call it allergies today, but it's. Stan, do you ever have any allergies? <laughs> You're out in the hay field a lot. I don't know if I could handle it. Uh, I breathe it in and I'm definitely allergic to that, so I won't be bailing any hay today. Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to help, but I can't. I, I just, I'd probably pass out. I'm probably making that up, but. <laughs> the idea is that the best way to describe heaven that I can give us is no this, and all this, and all that. It's it's the, here's what won't be in heaven, because our minds cannot grasp streets of gold, walls of you know jewels, and I mean it's going to be much better than even that. And everything is perfect. We know there's a lot of positive. There is God Himself and. He is the sun. It's radiant. It'll be fantastic, perfect every day. Everything that we do will be perfect. Okay, so that's some positive things. There will be no salaries to worry about there. So there will be no bills to pay. We don't have to worry about the house or anything breaking down in it. We don't. There won't be no lawns that we have to go out and cut uh, no sweat even if it were to be there is a millennial kingdom of course and there will be a lot of things still kind of there in that thousand year period that will much resemble what it is it will be much better because Christ will be here living on earth we will be glorified ourselves we will just uh, we know that there will be people who are taken in there that have like the Jews for instance have not been glorified yet and and people who helped them as it says in Matthew 25 they'll be taken in and we know that they'll still have bodies like us and they will still have temptations to sin and later they will get a glorified body but this is speaking the eternal state there will be no cars, no cars to break down, no dishwashers or wash machines or dryers to break down because we won't even need those. Can you imagine no electric cars there? I thought that's the future. No cars. Well, how are we going to get to places? Think it. You're there. In the twinkling of an eye. Boy, this sounds a little far-fetched. Well, it's just Scripture. <laughs> We're going to be like Christ as He is, just like Him. Uh, I, I was asking Carolyn, what, what are some things she, she could think of? No what? She says, no dishes. Because there won't be any cooking. Not in the way that we think of today. Do we have food? We can just pick it off a tree if we like. Uh, I don't know. Will we need any? I, I don't know. Uh, it's just interesting, isn't it? Uh, the food prices won't be going up and up and up and up. Uh, we will just eat everything that God has supplied to us whenever we want for our own jo- enjoyment. It's not because we are hungry and we're having starving pains because that won't happen even. We, there's no hunger there. Um, I think of water. Uh, no reverse osmosis there. <laughs> Everything is perfect. You don't have to keep purifying the water. You see, all of this stuff comes because of sin. Uh, things break down ultimately. Why? Like parts in machines, they will ultimately break down. Whether it's plastic, metal, what have you, it'll finally break down. It runs its course have to replace it. There's no replacing things in heaven. It's all perfect. It'll be like that forever. No depression there whatsoever. You can't be depressed. 
pure joy from one moment to the next. You probably have plenty of other know this, know that, right? You have plenty of those. Uh, just think about it today. All these other things. I, you know, I, I was, you know, a lot of times we have anxiety. Oh, am I going to have enough money at the end of the month here? Am I going to be able to pay this? I, it, you know, it's, we don't have to worry about going to the bank or turning the computer on. I say, what's the password to that bank? And no passwords there. <laughs> Everything you think of, what a vast difference, but yet it's going to be reality. Are we going to be able to know each other? Well, absolutely. We will know each other. All the saints will know each other and we'll know all the rest of the saints for all eternity as it goes. So it says justified, glorified. You can say, wait a minute. We're justified, then sanctified, then glorified. God left out a word. Well, that's why we're here on earth. And... Uh, it's something that we do with God, even though He's, it's the Holy Spirit that is sanctifying us. We, in a synergistic way, also are doing it. We are to be obedient in that sense. But here, in this sense, we are still being sanctified right now. Now, it is tied to justification. The moment you're justified, just like that at the same time, you are sanctified. You don't continue to be justified, you are, but sanctification, you do continue all the way till Christ comes back or get to be with the Lord. Sanctification is something that we participate with Him, and it's here on earth. Uh, you know, it's kind of connected with the justification thing, but when you say sanctified, it's what we're doing now. And you'll notice the, the terms here that we have in Romans. It's all past tense. And you look at it and say, yeah, I, I, I've been glorified. But it's hard for me to say, I've been, or, uh, no, I've been justified, but glorified. He says that's already happened. In God's eyes, it has. Uh, but we'll continue to be sanctified. He goes right from justified to glorified. And it would be kind of interesting if that would have happened where we wouldn't even have to live here on the earth and we go right to Him and everything would have been perfect just like that. Would that be good? <laughs> but no, that's not God's plan. No. He had uh, something better because we are identifying with His Son and the sufferings that He had, we also suffered. Paul suffered. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Here's a little bit of the sanctification. 2 Corinthians 3.18. What do we have here? We have... But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Right now, that's what we're looking just at, at Christ as we look at the Word. Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Dennis, you just said glorification happens when we have a glorified body. Yes, we did. But do you see what happens here? This is sanctification, and there's glory even in that. That's not the ultimate glorification of the body, but we're looking into the glory of the Lord as we look at the Scripture and we are being transformed, we are being sanctified into the same image of Christ. Isn't that what the ultimate purpose is? To be in the image of Christ. That's what's happening now. We haven't reached that stage of perfection, but we go from one level of glory to another, to another. The more you understand of the Word of God, like we've been on Romans 8, 28-30 for several weeks, I trust that you have more of an understanding of this than you did a few weeks ago. And if you do, and you're thinking glory even better than you ever did, it's because Christ has revealed that to you and you went up a stage, if I can say that, of another level of glory. You see glory in a heightened way and will continue until we go to be with Him. process, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17. 
Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, physical body, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Renew your mind. Alright? The Word of God. For momentary light affliction is producing for us, not against us, an eternal weight of glory. Those things that you go through, it's all adding up and it gets you finally to glory. The weight of glory far beyond all comparison. This is nothing compared to what is coming. We are the ones. And I will say that it is certain. We can have the absolute confidence. We can have assurance. Did you know that the point is is that God didn't make salvation possible or just offer it and not accomplish it. It's up to us to accomplishment. He started the bridge, as they say, and some of the I see the tracks sometimes. Christ started the bridge, and then we finish it and take it over to the other side. You know what? I call that heresy. There are only two religions. One says, What can I do to get salvation? The other one says, I can't do anything. I'm depending upon the Lord. He's done everything. The bridge has already been built. Have you ever seen those pictures? I go off the deep end. I'm glad the bridge has already been built. You know what he's called? He's called a mediator, which means a bridge builder. He doesn't just start it, he accomplishes it. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He who started the work before the foundation of the world is faithful not only to complete it at your answering the call, but to go all the way through eternity. He did it all. He accomplished it. Who did He die for? The ones that were chosen. And by the way, He just doesn't offer salvation. He saves. Jesus' name means... Save. Salvation. Savior. You shall call His name for Jesus for He will save His people. He will save His people. Have you ever thought about that? From their sins. We've already seen who His people are. Yes, Reformed theology is biblical theology. Those whom He predestined are saved. It's not a possibility that they can become saved based upon what they can do. It's full assurance of salvation that we stand on. It's the rock of Romans 8.30. Anybody denies that there is full assurance and say there's a possibility are shattered on the rock that is painted right here in Romans 8.29-30 and all the way through the rest of the chapter. And oh, so many other chapters in the Bible. Speaking about it being past tense, and I'm going to finish up with this. Uh, Martin Lloyd Jones says it's in the aorist tense, it's past tense. The Apostle's argument, Jones says, is that as we know most certainly that we have been called and justified we can equally be certain of our glorification. Nothing can prevent it because it is a part of God's purpose for us. Let's take another great commentary, uh, one done by Leon Morris on Romans. So certain is it that it can be spoken of as already accomplished. It is the plan of God, and that means that it is as good as here. Since God has decreed it, it will happen. Ephesians 2.6 And He raised us up with Him. 
He raised us up with Him, as in even glorification in a way, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your spirit is already in the heavenly places, but your body's still here. This goes all the way to the ultimate, of course. But even now we have access to the heavens. But that's almost like a past tense there too. He raised us up with Him in glorification. So certain. This is Leon Morris that it can be spoken of as already accomplished. It's the plan of God. That means that it is good as here. John Piper said this, and the same goes for me. The reason I preached these messages out of Romans 8, what's all of it? Is it about getting it just to the mind? Well, yeah. But also in your whole living. And this is where the application comes in. With all the things that he has done, here's what Piper says. I like it. He says, the reason we preach these messages is to make you strong and happy in God. When you lose your health, you're still blessed. When you lose your spouse, you're still blessed. You're still strong. When you lose your child, you're still strong. You're still blessed. You're happy in God. When you lose your job, you're still blessed. God's got this. When you lose your friend, go back over these passages. Bring out what is really even more important. And you lose your dream. You may lose everything. But you don't lose this. Which really is everything. This is called eternal security. And we will make this blossom come in full bloom starting next week. Let's pray. Father, Holy God, we stand in awe. We stand back amazed at this painting that You have just given us of Your eternal plan. And Lord, I must confess, I really don't know what it all means. But I believe You. Thank You for revealing what is here and what is intended to believe. One day we will see it all about what it's all about and it will be like a bright, brilliant light that has come on. The radiance will be so amazing. These eyes, this body cannot take this. That's why we'll need the new body to see and experience what is to come. Thank You for these promises, Lord, and no matter what comes up against us, we know that all things, everything, works together for good to those who are called according to Your purpose and to those who love God. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know what? I feel like I've been blessed this morning.